Um, welcome to the People, Planet, Profit podcast. Um, my name is Hayley Jarrick. I'm the CEO of the Supply Chain Sustainability School. And today I am joined by GECA, or the Good Environmental Choice Australia CEO, Michelle Thomas. Michelle is passionate about creating solutions and offering pathways for businesses to choose a more sustainable future for the people and planet. She has a wealth of business experience in fundraising and marketing, and she now uses that she now uses to drive positive change to address environmental and sustainability challenges in businesses and across supply chains. Michelle believes working together is crucial when implementing circular economy solutions. She is keen to collaborate with like-minded individuals and organisations to find solutions, working collectively to drive those solutions forward and help solve the problems we are facing today. Welcome, Michelle. Thanks, Hayley. Thanks for having me. Um, so I think today my theme for the top five tips is really aimed at taking um, a holistic approach to sustainability and supporting those small businesses uh, when designing those products and sort of when, when manufacturing and, and when purchasing products themselves. So um, to understand how to apply a holistic view to product design, it's uh, really about making sure that you understand your supply chains and looking at it, I think, from a, a real life cycle approach. Um, it's really important that you understand each product and material and manufacturing process has that sort of um, different environmental health and social impact to it. Um, so in brief, my top five points, and I'll go um, through them in more detail as we go on, is um, number one, environmental impact. So, you know, looking at that circular economy, which is such a buzzword right now, resource efficiency, biodiversity, carbon reduction and climate change. Number two, it's those real sort of health impacts. Um, number three, the human and labour rights. Um, number four, fit for purpose. And number five, it's avoiding greenwashing and the role of standards and, and eco labels. And there was a really nice um, quote that I picked out from an Ellen MacArthur article on recycling and circular economy. And it's that we really need to ensure that products and materials are designed from the outset to be reused, repaired and remanufactured. It's the consequences of decisions made at the design stage that determine around 80% of environmental impacts. So that really sort of um, brings to the forepoint the importance of designing um, designing with the end in mind. Um, so point one, um, as I said, it's it's really about considering your environmental impacts. Um, it's about embracing that circular out, outlook. You know, um, as I said, we, we were all really familiar now with that 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 um, diagram that we see of a, of a circular economy. It's about resource efficiency. It's uh, really driving those circular economies and moving away from that li linear sort of um, model that we've been following for so long now. Um, and that really refers to, to, to several strategies. It's sort of, you know, avoid, big one, avoid, reduce, reuse and re recycle um, resources. Um, all of those strategies sort of help promote resource conservation and really address those negative impacts of raw materials. Um, so there's really lots of, of opportunities to employ those strategies throughout the life cycle of a product, from packaging um, to design to manufacture right through to the end of life usage. And it really needs to be considered, as I said earlier, at that sort of design phase. You know, when you're creating something or manufacturing something, you need to know how to take it apart very much at the end. 
and, and and all the points that I'm kind of going through today are very much interconnected. You know, everything sort of relates to one another, and and, and it's how you sort of as small businesses and, and as consumers and big businesses t- take on these sort of um, areas to improve. So, what are some examples, and how do we um, navigate some sustainable design? Um, looking at dematerialization, um, using rapidly renewable resources. Uh, using material components that have that recycled content in it. Make sure that you can recycle the product at the end. You know, it's again designed for disassembly. Uh, product manufacturing that allows post-consumer recycling is really good. And those product stewardship schemes, um, are also really important. You know, it's always having the end in mind, that whole sort of circular economy. How are we picking it correctly, using it correct- correctly and just keeping it in that loop at all times? Um, and again, just, just to harp on about circular economy, there is such a buzz about it now. We really, really need to capitalise on the buzz that everybody's talking about. Um, biodiversity and environmental impacts as well. You know, uh, as you know, biodiversity refers to the variety of uh, living species in the ecosystems. We need to make sure that we have healthy ecosystems um, to provide those raw materials um, that create the products that, that, that small businesses are, are making. Um, and without sustainable sourcing practices, uh, destruction and degradation um, habit- of habitats can lead to real sort of irreversible damage. So how do we do that? How do businesses do that? When designing materials, they need to look um, for where those raw materials are coming from, you know, sustainably sourced raw materials using um, labels such as PFC, FSC that that are um, really promoting uh, proper sourcing of those materials or fair, fair ethics ethical sourcing of materials of those raw materials um, and, and you know again sort of going back to making sure that we're um, keeping keeping the the, the loop going and, and uh, you know you've got a lot of carbon off- offset can we can we can we plant more trees what can we do to make sure that we're um, keeping out our, our biodiversity healthy um, also within environmental is uh, carbon reduction and climate change um again a really sort of uh high topic right now um i'm not going to go into too much detail about it because i think we all know uh the concerns the 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 issues that we're facing right now i think um the most recent ipcc report that came out i think last week it was a bit doom and gloom and i think the real message that came through in in, in the ipcc report is it's now or never, you know, we really need to make these changes, you know, we can't have targets that are really far away, we need to be doing stuff right now, right now. Um, and, and 45% of greenhouse gas emission comes from producing the cars, producing those building materials, producing the food, producing all the products, it's the production that takes up a lot of the carbon emissions. So, um, Building and construction, we know that building and construction is also sort of a significant area for for carbon emissions. I think 39% of all carbon emissions in the world come from the manufacturing, transportation, construction. Um, And we really need to be looking at how we can reduce it. How can we minimise our carbon? Um, 
How do we work towards that? We need to consider the total greenhouse gases that are produced in manufacturing and distribution, looking at embodied carbon. So for, for, for a product, looking how much carbon emissions each product is, 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 is emitting, you know, how do we, how do we make sure that we're focusing on the impacts of every area? Um, can we look for getting climate active, you know, look for companies and businesses and suppliers that have um, done life cycle assessments, you know, an LCA or an EPD shows uh, quite clearly through clear methodology what your carbon emission impacts are for a product or a service. So it's purchasing or using suppliers that have that in mind. It's being aware and looking for um or asking for certification, climate active certifications on certain products or services that you might use. Um, second tip, sorry, that's a very long tip. Uh, the second tip, that was just one. The second tip is, is very much about your health impacts, um, hazardous substances and air emissions. So um, certain products, uh, most products will have chemical compounds, chemical inputs, um, and those chemical inputs, you know, we all know about carcinogens, we all know about various sort of um, uh, chemicals that are harmful to human health, but there's a lot, there's sort of toxic heavy metals and heavy compounds such as mercury, arsenic, that are, are also really detrimental to the health, not just to the health of the end user, but to the health of the manufacturing staff. So it's ensuring that we're aware of the chemical inputs. Um, there's also VOC, so off-gassing, volatile organic compounds, which um, are emissions coming out of products and, and, and it's not services coming out of products, but people think that it's like paints or adhesives, but they come out of your carpets, of your furniture. So it's how, how do we ensure that we're really um, aware of what is going into our products, what's coming out of our products, and what those health impacts are on, on, on humans? You know, there's lots of respiratory sort of um, issues that come about nowadays. Where are they coming from? You know, are, are there more chemicals going into the products that we're using today? Um, so how do we sort of avoid that? What, what, what are your areas to, to sort of focus on? I think all organisations should be aware of the hazardous chemicals that are going into their products when designing their products. And it's not just what's going into the product. It's what's being used in that manufacturing process as well, you know. Understand um, the, the, the chemicals that are going in. You know, try and avoid VOCs completely, you know. With um, the GECA standards, and, and not harping on about GECA standards, but GECA standards always ensure that there are no hazardous chemicals or, or, or limited hazardous chemicals used within a product at, at banned from being used and that VOCs are, are limited or, or, or at a certain amount, allowed at a certain amount. So when designing products, be aware of that and look for those sort of um, areas that you can lower. You, you know, there are a lot of, um, there are a lot of um, lists. You've got REACH, which will show sort of that those real hazardous chemicals. You've got DECLARE's red list. So, so, so look around, be aware, know what, what, what you, what's going into your products. Um, tip three, consider your uh, human and labour rights. Who's going to make your product? Um, we're really sort of 
keen to say it, Gekka, um, sustainability, it, 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 you can't look at sustainability without looking at the people. There is no such thing as being truly sustainable if you haven't looked at the people involved in that process. Um, you've got to, you can't ignore the treatment of people and you've got to understand who is making your product, who is uh, involved, not just within your organization, but those tier twos, tier threes, you know, it's really key to understand your suppliers. It's really important to know um, who's making, who's doing the work for you, who's supporting you. And I think the term supplier is very much a one-way term, you know, just the word supplier. It makes you think that, you know, it's someone doing the work for you. But when you're looking at human and labour rights, it's understanding that that it's a relationship, you know. As an organisation, as a small, small business, know your suppliers, you know. Be in communication. We always say communication is key and collaboration is key. It's really important to understand those processes, that they have sort of, Fair health, um, fair work, health policies, um, fair pay policies. You know that there really um, that there are policies in place for all of your suppliers. You know, have those conversations with your suppliers. Reach out to your suppliers. Ask them these open-ended questions. Ask them. Encourage that collaboration with them. Um, Set up face-to-face meetings with them and invite feedback from your suppliers so that you really are um, confident that that there is um, that there are processes and practices in place. And um, we have modern slavery here on reporting. It only really captures the top tier of organisations. Um, so small businesses maybe look at modern slavery reporting. And 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 in the GECA standards, we do require that all of our licensees. Um, undertake modern slavery reporting, but I don't think it's just about the reporting. It's having that commitment to what you're saying you're going to do, ensuring that you do do what you say you're going to do. Um, tip number four, um, it's ensuring that that product is fit for perfect, per- purpose. Um, and that quality is really implemented into the, into the design. So uh, at the beginning when we're talking about circular economy and, you know, avoid we're an overconsumptious society right now, you know, and, and you know it, it, it's awful because I am too, and, and I'm sitting in, in, in a job as the CEO of an organisation that is about sustainability. And you know, a few months ago, my TV broke, and it was there was lights on my TV, and it was more expensive for me to get my TV fixed than it was for me to purchase a new TV. You know, make sure that product is fit for purpose. Have warranties on your products. Make sure that the product really does what it says on the tin, you know. Test it. Make sure that, that there are fantastic Australian standards to make sure that um, legislatively products have um, a, a requirement to sort of perform to a certain standard. Go beyond that. Keep your product in the market for as long as you can. Use it for as long as it can be used, you know. Be a designer or designer products that you can keep in in that in that circle for as long as possible and make sure it really does do what it says on the tin um final point is not contributing to greenwashing so um you can really seek the help of voluntary standards and eco like eco labels like gecka you know gecka um is 
really keen to avoid greenwashing in the marketplace. And, you know, right now we, we, we talk about circular economy being a buzzword. You think of how many organizations say this is an eco-friendly product or, you know, this is a green product. This repels COVID right now, you know, things, things that are uh, often, um, uh, statements that actually come out of the marketing department. And do they even know that it, it it's eco-friendly? And, and, you know, by definition of the word product, is anything re- really eco-friendly? If something has been produced, there is something that has been used to produce that product. You know, there's a manufacturing process, there is raw materials, or even if it's recycled content, it's being re- it's being produced. So, is anything really eco-friendly? So, when using terms or when reading those terms as consumers and purchasers, just really make sure that they're accurate. Is that true? Is it really a green product? Does it really repel COVID? So verify your claims. If you're making claims and those claims are accurate and true, verify that those claims are accurate and true. You know, use third-party organisations to verify those claims. The ACL, the Australian Consumer Law and the ACCC, really do crack down on sort of um, uh, not just misleading claims or incorrect claims but claims that sometimes are unintentionally misleading you know it's 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 sometimes not what you do say it's sometimes what you don't say as well so it's really being aware of what you're talking about and really being aware of those products that you've um, designed and those claims that you're making are accurate and are correct um, again, eco-labeling voluntary standards and certification schemes are available to support that. Um, there are, um, you've got the, the ISO, um, International Organization for Standardization. You've got the ICL Alliance, ICL Alliance, which is International Social and Environmental Accreditation Labeling, um, Global Eco-Labeling Network, um, all sort of really reputable organizations. And we at Gecker also sort of follow, we make sure that we follow the ISOs, specifically the ISO 14,024. Um, we follow the ICL frameworks and we're also a member of GEN, but it's using reputable organizations again there is a lot out there with green labeling how do we cut through that noise it's making sure that we're using organizations that are trustworthy transparent um and really sort of sharing the information so that you're confident that it's right you know we hope that at Gecker, we, 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 or we try at Gecker that we, to take out that hard work of making better choices. So we want to support consumers. We want to support businesses. So our eco-labeling looks at that whole life cycle aspect from that raw material re- extraction using recycled content, human and health, you know, making sure it's fit for purpose, looking at that social element and really sort of that whole entire life cycle right through to the end of life. Yeah, I think one of the other things that's really important too about that, um, gaining that third party certification is just appreciating that businesses, and I think especially small businesses, you might not have a person that's an expert in everything every time you go to do something. So I think this, you know, acknowledge that there might be things out there you don't know. And by going and seeking a third party certification, you're going to find out all of those things that you don't know before you start to make claims and get yourself in hot water in that space. And I think that, you know, if anyone listening to this sat down and went, oh, well, I didn't really appreciate or you're right, you know, like 
can anything really be called eco unless it's actually contributing a positively back on the environment? You know, am I planting two trees for everyone I take out? Am yeah. I, you know, am I not only offsetting, but then actually doubling the amount of, you know, carbon emissions during my production? Am I actually doing double the offsets back? So I'm actually making a positive carbon contribution yeah. um, to the environment. All of those things that you sort of sit back and go, I thought I was doing good, but there's that, I suppose it's what that Dunning-Kruger effect of, you know, a little bit, you think you know a lot, and then you realise <laughs> the yeah. more you know, the more you realise you don't know. Yeah. Um, and I think sustainability is definitely big in that space um, because, like you said, everything is interconnected. Um, and there's so many different things that touch pace, you know, whether that's all of the environmental considerations and there are numerous numbers yeah. of them and you might not be aware of all of them. Um there are a number of social um, impacts that you can go through. Um, so it's just being aware. And I think, you know, it, if you're going to use very generic terms like eco and green or bio or anything like that, um, that's when you're going to get yourself in a lot of hot water. Um, and you're probably better off being really specific about the claims you are making, you know, like it could, it could just be that, you know, if you've got a green, you're calling yourself a green product because you've used some recycled content, then just say that. Yeah. You know, packaging includes recycled content. Yeah. yeah. You know, or even use the percentage, you know, up to 25% recycled content in packaging, you know, yeah. um, and, and just being really clear about that because I think more and more and more consumers are becoming um, very cynical of the greenwash because yeah. um, they are getting burned. You know, yeah. if you're saying you're offsetting the emissions, it can't just be from production. It has to be from the entire life cycle of your product. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I, as in most product lifecycle stages, you get your innovation and your early adopters as you go through. And usually those people have uh, really intelligent consumers and they know what they're getting into and they will research to the depths of it. And as you start to get into your early majority and late majority of um, of your product lifecycle, you will get consumers that aren't going to research it as well as what you thought. So you are going to have to change um, how you communicate some of those benefits to those, um, to that bigger market. Um, and that's a great problem to have because it means there's more people buying, yeah. um, products that are conscious. Yeah. Um, and I think from, you know, in terms of all of that, um, I would say that the only extra tip I would add there is sort of if you're, if you purchase things um, with the same mindset in which you're choosing to sell them, um, yeah. then that's a great source of information for you of how to do that. But it also yeah. will make you really aware of all of the, or one, the amount of things you're purchasing that you might not need to purchase. So yeah. step one, avoid. Um, and then also think about all the things that annoy you about what you buy and then how can you fix those in your products and services. So like you said, it's yeah. the, the TV that you can't repair. It's the washing machine yeah. you can't buy the replacement cord for. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, um, how do I, do you take returns back for finished products? So, yeah. you know, yeah. there are some great circular businesses out there that yeah. um, if you if your product breaks, they'll take it back and they'll break down the components and reuse and recycle them. There is yeah. like nothing goes to landfill. Um, so I think it's really having that stewardship over all of those, yeah. um, that entire life cycle of what you're putting out there. Um, and as a human species, um, at the moment, we're operating very much like parasitic to the world that we live in. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we can change that yeah. by just making a few small things. Um, yeah. And I'm also really mindful that we went through, I mean, um, hopefully you'll go back and listen to this whole podcast again and just go, sorry, what was that again? Like, Because yeah. <laughs> there's a lot, we dropped a lot of, uh, Michelle has been very kind and dropped a lot of, um, 
you know, key organisations you should go to, standards you should look up, like please yeah. go back and listen to them again and have another look through them. Um, and then we can link to them um, in the school as we put the podcast up as well. So please come to us if you're looking for more information on, you know, if you heard Circular Economy and like, is this really popular? I don't know what that is. <laughs> don't worry, we can help you. Um, <laughs> there's a lot happening in a lot of all these different areas um, and small businesses, um, I think, are very prone to change tack quickly and keep yeah. on board with this. Um, you know, it's much easier to change a small cat than spin the Titanic. Yeah. So, um, you know, take advantage of it. This can be your niche and how you can make lots of money. And I, I, I marvel in all of the innovations of small business, especially in Australia. We're renowned for being really strong innovators. Yeah. Uh, and they haven't let me down yet. Yeah. So, yeah. um, and Sorry, sorry. And, and small businesses, it's, it's easy to make a change as a small business. You haven't got all that sort of that politics, that that that, 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 that <laughs> higher level to cut through. You know, make that change because you want to make that change. And you're you're really right. You know, if, if we can get everybody to make a small change, it makes a big difference. It really does make a big difference. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for Michelle for joining us today. I think um, we definitely ran through five small things or five sustainable things that small businesses can um, do about product design and green eco labeling. And I think that we, um, it's definitely those five tips you gave are great. And if people listen to this a few times and really go back and um, hopefully they can then start to think about some of the things that um, they're producing and doing as a small business and make some changes. So thanks for joining us, Michelle. Thanks very much for having me, Hayley. Thank you. And thanks for joining both of us on the People, Planet, Profit podcast. Until next time, bye. Bye.